Oh, we could, we could fly. Welcome to this new season of the Have a Cup of Jahani podcast. So I want to title this new season that I'm embarking on with I'm growing. So this is going to be the season of growth. And um, that's what I'm going to share with you throughout the season. So I thank you for coming over here and sitting with me. And I hope you enjoy. Hello, everyone. Look, being in the army, you have no choice but to learn about people. It's almost like the organization forces you to learn about people, psyche, and what makes people tick. You, you can't get away from understanding that because you, it's an organization that has to do with people. You deal with people every single day. So what we're going to talk about today is how I learned that what works for me when it comes to what motivates me, that does not necessarily motivate somebody else. <laughs> Are you ready? All right, let's begin. So I, I have had various experiences when it comes to motivation and what motivates me. So I will say at the beginning when I was younger, the whole tough love kind of motivation works for me. And I think it's because I needed a little bit more guidance and I was used to taking that from someone who was a superior or an elder to me because I, w- I was raised in a household that that inculcates that where you'll be respectful to your elders, which was easily translatable to the military. So you'll be respectful to those that that are higher ranking than you. So I was I was okay with taking that that tough love, sometimes that toxic, <laughs> I wouldn't call that love, but that that toxic um behavior from others and and utilize that to to motivate me and to reach goals that I wouldn't have reached if it wasn't because it lit a fire full of anger in me. As I got older, that stopped working. And I believe that's because I learned to love myself and respect myself a little bit more. So I was not taking any shit from people, regardless of what the rank was. (laughs) And and since then, it's just, it's not something that works for me. I've noted that even when it comes to younger people in the military, that they don't necessarily respond the same way that I did when I was younger. I noticed that for them, or for the ones I have come across, it is more of an interaction. It is more of a dialogue that works for them. Very few, very, very few uh, that I've come across, their gears clicked when uh, you you raise your tone or you are more direct than a conversationalist with them. Very, very few. So I have adopted the conversationalist style for the most part, unless 
I deem it necessary to go to the other side. But I've noticed that and it took a little bit for me to drop the direct style. I remember when I was um, a junior leader, it was the go-to style and it was the one that I I lean on quite a lot because it was the one that uh, was taught to me and it was the one that I was I was raised in when I was growing up in the army. So it just became my go-to, but it wasn't until somebody literally was like, that shit don't work for me. I was like, like, oh, you're so disrespectful. But once again, I had to, I had to take a step back. Now, when people have that reaction to me, while it makes me angry and it makes me combative in the moment, I am very combative and very dis- defensive. That's the word that I'm looking for. I'm very dissens- uh, defensive about it. I'm also very thoughtful at the same point because something that I do, I have been like this since I can remember. It's like I hold on to interactions and conversation and they stay with me and I dissect them. I hear them over and over and over again until I come to some sort of conclusion of what really happened. Because a lot of the time when I was that young, my actions kind of took over me and I didn't do much thought into my actions or my words. Now I'm a little bit more thoughtful when it comes to it, but back then I wasn't. And the the I have like sort of an after action review in my mind when it comes to, to those in, unfortunate interactions uh, that I had with subordinates. And um, when that happened, I understood that not everyone wanted to be guided or motivated through tough love. Some people um, really needed more of a of a conversation of some sort of nurturing guidance, so that way they can they can hear you. And and I noticed that, and I noticed that as well in my son. He was not a lot of the leadership that I learned. I learned first by um, parenting my son. I have to say that <laughs> and vice versa. The As I was leading young soldiers, it, it helped me as well to be a better parent as he became a teenager. And it was it has both roles have fed one another throughout my life. So. I noticed that on my son because he will be withdrawn if I would speak harshly and yell at him. He will withdraw right away. Um, He will um, perform tasks lower. He wouldn't listen as well. And it was just like everything will get slower, would get worse, the, the louder I would get. So I knew that that didn't work for him. So when I encountered that same feedback at the job, I had to make a decision to, to not lean so much on that loud, direct style that I was leaning on. Because perhaps, <laughs> perhaps it wasn't the one that was the most effective. Because at the end of the day, I had to take into consideration that if no one was listening, 
and I wasn't getting my point across, then what good I was? <laughs> you know, what good was I? Not very good, right? So understanding that I, I had to bring it back, bring it back. And that takes a big, 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 it was like chewing on a big humbling pie. And um, that pie was rubbery and it was hard to chew. It was kind of like that. But once once I I changed and the change did not happen right away, the, the change was very slow. And to this point, I, I still kind of like, it's like if you rub me the wrong way, it's like sometimes it's like, ah, you know, and then I have to remind myself to rein myself back in. Um, because it, it just, it was my go-to for so long that it, it's hard not to lean into that. Um, now it's kind of like, um, a comfortable blanket, uh, that I know, I know exactly how it feels. It brings me comfort. It brings me familiarity. So even though I don't wear it for, for long, it's, it's easy to pull it out of the closet per se. That's the analogy that I will use here. But yeah, change was very, very slow. Very slow. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, very slow. And I will say that the, the stress that the military puts you in does not make any of this any faster or any better. Because if you understand that when you're like in a boiling, pressuring situation, that you are stripped down of of everything, any habits or or anything that you want to incorporate and you just go down to the bare minimum to the, the the first thing that you learn because that's the only thing that your brain can hold is it, kind of like that. So that's why I say that this was a very slow change for me because I had to constantly remind myself that where I was at before was not working that how I was leading before and I was trying to coach and guide people was not working. So it was kind of like a whole interaction, go back to assess, interaction, go back to assess, you know, um, and and modify some things and then interaction again. It was kind of like that, like a touch and go um, for a lot of the time until I was able to um, not find a happy medium. That's what I was about to say, but that's not kind of it. But understand my triggers, understand myself, understand what makes me um, act out of my of my now preferred method. I had to understand that. So it took a little bit of self-awareness on my part, as well as the, the practices that I put in motion to um, not allow my actions to take away from my analytical skills. <laughs> so it was it was like that because I, I'm telling you before before I became self-aware and I, I started and I'm not saying I'm this guru people, please don't take it like that because that sounded very cringy when I was like before I became self-aware, shit. I'm not all self-aware. Um, but before I started therapy, let me put it that way. <laughs> Any little poke will trigger me and then I will just lose my, those analytical 
skills that kind of like make you take a step back and and then pull back some of that behavior and reassess and then come back again. Some of that I didn't have because I, I didn't understand yet who I was and what were the things that happened in my life and that were going on in my life that had left scars that were triggered by certain actions. And no one was at fault for the the triggers that I had or how I reacted. No one was at fault. Um, it, w- it was just something that they did, uh, which they didn't even know that they was doing it, but it just brought back a memory and then boom, it's just... It, it triggered a poor reaction and it could just be something as as minimal as somebody challenging me um, that will take me back to when I was being challenged as a kid or somebody calling me out in public, kind of like the same as challenging that like took me back. And then it was like, it was uh, flipping a switch. And, uh, but I had to understand that part of me. And I only got to learn that because a therapist asked me questions and helped me to muddle and work through that. Um, so that way I can identify it and I can know that it's there. And it took me knowing that that was there for me to have a more productive interaction with other people to where I can just allow them to be them and not let who they are affect me, if that makes sense. It it was almost like it allowed me to not have this barrier between me and the other person, but um, have an understanding of everything, all the scars that made up Joanne, where they were at, uh, what they were, and not letting any of their actions touch those scars, or if they did have a conversation, have an inner dialogue um, that reminded me that that's not what they meant. Um, because what was happening is once those those scars were, were pushed, were touched, were triggered, it just like everything just went out of whack. And I had to implement that, that self-talk to ensure that what happened then is not what's happening now and being able to differentiate between the past and the present. And um, I have been successful at times. I have not been successful at times, but I continue to try um, as I go forward. And I want to say that now, um, while that was my preferred method, I, I more often than not now have become very comfortable and very familiar with the dialogue approach. And um, so now when I use the other method, it feels more uncomfortable. It feels more like a shoe that doesn't fit as well. And um, I just used it recently. That's another episode for another day. And um, yeah, I can tell you all about that later. Uh, but yeah, but now it's it's more, it's rare. Uh, when it happens, um, but I'm able to have my self-dialogue, be able to um, breathe through it and and do other things that bring me 
to to present and um, help me understand what's going on because it is nothing like identifying a moment and identifying an emotion to take the power out of it. I am telling you that it's like one thing that I took away from all my therapy sessions is that if you identify the emotion and you identify that the memory tethered to that emotion, boom, it's like you just suck the power out of it. <laughs> And, and that's what I try to do whenever I come across those emotions and they clash with past memories and the present reality. I identify it so that way I can, I can come away with it um, not as messy as it used to be before. Um, but I don't know how this turned out into this whole confessional, people. I am so sorry that this had become a confessional but if you get something out of this conversation, <laughs> I hope it was that take some time to understand first your triggers, your emotions, and the scars that you have and perhaps the memories that made those scars so that way you can have better interactions with other people. And because we are social animals, we are human beings. So we do need those interactions. So the the more that we learn about ourselves and those hidden things that are there and call them out for what they are and identify them and have that self-talk, the better interactions we will have with other people. And, um, and that way we can fill our love bucket because we do need social interactions from time to time. Take that from an introvert from time to time. We do need those. Not all the time. Okay. Um, but yeah, I will see you next episode. I hope you enjoyed this one. I really do. Let me know in the comments if you want to email me and you feel sorry for me. It is joa at haveacupofjohani.com. No, don't feel sorry for me. I'm okay. If you're listening to this, I will be already in Hawaii having a summer vacation with the hubs and the babies. So we will be frolicking in the Pacific Ocean. Wish me fun. Send me a hello and I will talk to you next Wednesday. Bye. To connect with me, email at joa at haveacupofjohani.com or you can also find me on tiktok at haveacupofjohani podcast oh we could we could fly thank you so much for listening don't forget to follow and subscribe to the show see you on the next episode bye oh we could we could fly oh, 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 oh